0: Peace that surpasses understanding. If you'll turn with me to Matthew 10.34, this will be an introductory text, an introductory verse, followed by one more introductory verse, and then our main text for this morning's message. Peace that surpasses understanding. We live in a troubled time. We live in a troubled world, and a great many today lack peace. In fact, to say they lack peace would be a severe understatement. A great many are living in constant terror, a state of fearfulness, terrified by what might come next. And this is not a Christian state of living or a Christian mindset. And so I want to spend at least one more week here seeking God's word, God's truth, and ultimately God's grace and empowerment that we might be a people that possess peace that surpasses understanding. The Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 verse 34 said this, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now wait, pastor, you just said you're preaching a message to encourage us and enable us to have peace that surpasses understanding, but then you You open the message with a text from Jesus that says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Why would you open your message on peace with a promise from the Lord Jesus that he did not come to bring peace? Well, you see, often our seeking of peace is not... Biblical, often our excessive seeking of peace, in fact, is idolatrous. We make peace an idol. When we seek he who is the prince of peace, we will find peace. When we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, we will find peace. When we seek by the grace of God and the empowerment of God and the Holy Spirit to love God and love neighbor as ourselves, we will find peace. Peace. But when we seek peace, we actually will find ourselves with less and less peace, ever diminishing peace, when we make peace our pursuit. And so, by the grace of God, we must repent of the idolatry of seeking peace instead of seeking God, of loving peace instead of loving God. And so, the Lord Jesus says here. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. We cannot get a peace that the Lord did not promise. In fact, He promises a sword. He promises us spiritual warfare. He promises us trials and tribulations. He promises us that it's been granted to us not only to believe on His namesake, but to suffer for His namesake. And so we must know that going into it which doesn't negate at all the promise of a peace that surpasses understanding. In fact, they go hand in glove. The peace that surpasses understanding. Well, how would it surpass understanding if Jesus came to give us peace in this world? No, he did not come to give us peace in this world. He came to give us peace eternal in a world that's to come. He came to give us peace in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds, that surpasses understanding, that surpasses this world. But He did not come to give us peace in the world. In fact, we must call off peace with the world. And we must throw off the idea that we will have peace with a world that is opposed to our God and His Son, our Christ, our King, our Lord, our Master, our Savior. We must put off that idea for it's faulty and it leads, that that false expectation leads to constant disappointment. And so we open with the Lord Jesus' sobering words in Matthew 10:34, "Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword." Quite the contrary, I came to bring a sword. There would be a spiritual war. In John 14:27, John 14:27, our second introductory text to this message on peace that surpasses understanding. The Lord Jesus speaking says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so seemingly in contrast to the Lord Jesus' words in Matthew 10, 34, here in John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so the Lord Jesus is not ultimately contradicting himself. These two statements go quite peaceably together. I did not come to bring peace to you in this world, but a sword. And here, here peace I leave with you, my peace. So we'll not have peace with the world. We'll not have peace in the world. We will have peace in Jesus Christ. What is the quality of peace we have in Jesus Christ? It's his peace. It's perfect peace. And you must know Jesus is fully and eternally God. He has the whole world in his hands. Nothing takes him by surprise. He is sovereign over everything and every one. What's coming in the news tomorrow ultimately comes through the ordination, the the ordained plan of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Nothing is outside of God's control. He's working all things according to the counsel of his will, and all things are working for the good of those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. So peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Jesus has given his peace to you. If he has bought you with his blood, if he is your Lord and your Savior, one of the great things he's given you, other than the certain hope of eternal life in a new heavens and new earth in which only righteousness dwells, but he's given you his peace to possess even now. And that's what I want you to have. Possession of the peace of Jesus Christ now. Because he's given it to you now. This isn't just for heaven. This is for here and now. He's not giving you any kind of promise of peace in this world with the world. But he's giving you a certain promise of peace, a certain gift of peace, his own peace. My peace, he says, I give to you. Not as the world gives. Not as the world gives. The world gives a peace that is transient, that is dependent upon the latest news report, that's dependent upon your bank account being at a certain level is dependent upon your boss being pleased with you and the door to your workplace being open tomorrow and you being invited in and not ushered out. The peace the world gives to you is dependent upon how your relationships are going with the other people around you, even the other drivers around you, right? If your peace ebbs and flows dependent upon other people around you, especially on the highways, you're in trouble, aren't you? any confessions, we in Christ have a peace that supernaturally and truly overcomes all the situational peace, the transient peace, the temporal peace that this world seeks after. The world seeks after peace in a bar, peace in illicit sexual relationships, Peace in pills, peace in drugs of various shapes and sizes, prescribed and bought on the corner. We have the peace of Jesus Christ that surpasses all of the peace that this world gives. I leave you with my peace. I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Hear your Lord today. Hear your Savior today. Hear the King of Kings today. The Lord of Lords today. Hear your Creator today. Hear He who holds everything in His hands, the gluons of the universe in His hands, your day, your tomorrow, your year, your life, your eternal soul in His hands. He says, Do not be troubled. Do not be troubled, neither let your heart be afraid. This is a command from your king. May God grant us obedience that we would obey, that we would not let our heart be troubled, that we would not give ourselves over to fear, to terror. And right now, this world is working hard to trouble you. The news pundits are working hard To create terror in you, don't fall for it. Fall before your king and obey him and be not troubled. Be not afraid. The world is well in hand. When you seek peace in the world, when you seek peace through certainty of the world's provisions, the world's riches that we all enjoy, we're Americans When you seek security and peace through those things, your peace will be fleeting. Your peace will ebb and flow constantly. When you seek peace through the good opinion of your fellow man, if they smile at you, they say hello, they treat you well at work, if they respect you, if they appreciate your effort, if your peace is based upon all that, then it will ebb and flow. And so often it will ebb much more than flow. And that is misplaced trust, misplaced faith, We need to look to Christ. Who is what? One of His titles? The Prince of Peace. Who should we be looking to? The Prince of Peace to find peace, dear saints. Those are introductory texts. Let us look to our primary text, Philippians 4, 1 through 9, of course. Philippians 4, 1 through 9. We did touch on this in Sunday school last week, but some of you were not there. Many of you were not there. And so you missed out. And that was an abbreviated form of this message. We'll go a little deeper and wider here. But let's read together in Philippians 4, chapter, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Eodia, I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, Help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace Will be with you. And all of God's saints said, Amen. First point joy in imperfect saints. Some of you have heard this point before. New content, similar message. Joy in imperfect saints, verses one through three. The Lord has blessed us with brothers and sisters who are imperfect. All brothers and sisters are imperfect. You might think you're the perfect brother or sister. And that would be an imperfection. (laughs) But we are to have joy in imperfect saints. We're not to wait to heaven to have joy in our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to go ahead now and have joy in them. For they are gifts to us from God. To walk together in the faith. To serve the Lord together. To magnify the Lord together as co-laborers. Verse 1. Therefore, my beloved and longed for a brother, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord beloved. Now, this is the Apostle Paul who preached the gospel of Christ to these dear people and led them unto Jesus, writing to the church there in Philippi. Therefore, my beloved and longed for a brother, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord beloved. You're not an apostle, I'm not an apostle, but this heart of the apostles, the heart that we should possess, a heart that puts on display the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love. My beloved and longed for brother, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Now, if you don't feel that way about your brothers and sisters in Christ, I encourage you to pray that God would change your heart. And we won't always feel that way. We don't always feel that way about our dear family members. But let us pray to God that the Spirit of God would compel us. The Spirit of God would empower us with love. That we could sincerely have the same heart of affection that the Apostle Paul here puts on display. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, he longs for them. He longs for them. One of the tragedies of the terror that's afoot in the Western world and in the United States of America and really around the globe, one of the tragedies of the terror is that church attendance is lower than it's ever been. Precious saints of God, or at least professing saints of God, who have abandoned the church of Jesus Christ. Beloved and longed for brethren. After two years, saints still not back in the church. All around the globe, all across the Western world, all across this nation and across this state. Beloved and longed for brethren. Now we come to church foremost to worship God, to know and love God. And nothing should keep us from that. But we come secondly to love the saints of God and to be loved and encouraged and strengthened, iron sharpening iron. And it doesn't take me long to reflect on my own Christian life and know the blessings that have flowed from simple church attendance. The effect on my life, on my marriage, on my parenting. Oh, I can think back also and think of relational challenges and well beyond challenge. But hear me, the blessings far outweigh The challenges. All relationships have challenges. Have you not realized that? Every relationship you have has challenges. Because every relationship you have is a relationship between two sinners. But praise God, in Christ's church, it's at least two sinners saved by the grace of God, filled with the Spirit of God, who have a manual on how they ought to relate with one another. And so my beloved and longed for brethren, longed for, longed for. You know, I desire to get together with the saints. I desire to come and be with you, to worship the Lord with you, to open the word of God with you and to eat of the food therein, this great buffet the Lord has set for us, to go therefore and make disciples with you, to have feet shod of the preparation of the gospel of peace with you, to co-labor in the gospel with you as beloved longed for brethren, my joy and my crown. Now those are, Apostle words, those are pastoral words. My joy, my crown, in the sense of he has preached the gospel and they are the fruit thereof. The crown of his ministry. And as a pastor, I I can identify with that. Uh, in, In one sense, you are my joy, my crown. As I see you walking in the faith, as I see you growing in the faith, as I see some of you coming to the faith, confessing Christ as Lord, being born again from above. As I see you then going to spread the faith, you are my joy and my crown as your pastor. As I follow Christ, as the Apostle Paul followed Christ, the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And Every pastor to some level says, follow me as I follow Christ. And as I see you following Christ and us following Christ together, you are my joy and my crown. Therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord beloved. (laughs) Beloved, beloved, that's a sentence. Those are two good bookends on a sentence. And in between, he says, so stand fast. Stand fast. Stand fast, dear church. Stand fast. Together. We must stand together. And this pandemic is no justification for us to be divided. There have been times in the history of God's church where there is a true plague, wiping out families, wiping out cities, wiping out societies, and pulling out and pulling back, social distancing, we've come to call it, is reasonable. But that time came and went well over a year and a half ago. It is not reasonable to no longer attend a local church and to fellowship with the saints of God, to come together for corporate worship and corporate edification, Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy, my crown. Stand fast in the Lord, beloved. And we stand fast together. If we're not standing together, we're not standing fast. If we're not standing together, then we lack this heart. We've lost this heart of the apostle Paul. My longed for brethren. Verse 2, I implore Yodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. It's interesting. I've never... Noticed it until this time through this text. He uses the word implore twice over for each of them, putting equal implorement, if you will, upon both. Because it takes two to tango, ladies and men. And it's funny, in the inspired, inerrant, preserved word, we have these two ladies who are in heaven now, who are having a little cruscuffle. And the Lord saw fit to include that in the inspired, inerrant, preserved word. To instruct all ladies for all times to, hey, get along. Press on for the glory of Christ. Whatever it is, get over it. Press on for the glory of Christ. Work it out. Don't be thin-skinned. Don't allow a root of bitterness. I implore you to be of the same mind in the Lord, the same mind. Be fixed on the main thing. And Christ is always the main thing in His gospel is always the main mission. Is to let nothing deter, detract, or undermine the main thing. Christ, glory, and the redemption of sinners. To do so is petty and self-loving. And so we have the apostle imploring these dear sisters in Christ to have the same mind in the Lord. They are sisters in Christ. They are indwelt with the Spirit. But they are implored with authority... In public, for all time, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Verse 3, I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers. True companion, labored with me in the gospel. Fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Your names are in the book of life. They're in the book of life. Like the family Bible, you open it up in the front. Look, this is my great-great-great-grandfather, my great-great-grandmother, and all the way down. And look, here's me. We don't do those family Bibles much anymore. But this is the book of life. And our names are in it. We're the family of God. Bought with the blood of Jesus. Fellow workers labored with me in the gospel. True companion. See, this should... This should describe the Church of Jesus Christ. True companions, beloved fellow workers, laboring together in the gospel, keeping the main thing the main thing, uh, being of the same mind whose names are in the book of life, longed for brethren. That's a great description of the church and that is joy in imperfect saints. We have joy in imperfect saints. They're imperfect, aren't they? He, he has all this joy and all this love for them, and he has to say, and hey, hey, get along. <laughs> but that doesn't detract from his joy and his love for his true companions, his fellow workers, his co-labours in the gospel, whose names are in the book of life. In Philippians chapter 1, quickly, verse 5 talks about your fellowship in the gospel. Verse 7, I have you in my heart. Verse 8, for God is my witness, how greatly I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? They have a fellowship in the gospel. He has them in his heart. And God is his witness, how greatly he longs for all of them with the affection of Jesus Christ. The affection of Jesus Christ. Oh, that God would grant us this kind of heart. In Philippians 1.27, it says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. One spirit, one mind. Ah, I implore Eodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Standing fast, one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. When we keep the main thing, the main thing, the glory of Christ, our King, and the redemption of sinners, that brings us together because we have the same mission. Philippians 2, verse 2, Fulfill my joy in being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Psalm 133, verse 1, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. To dwell together in unity. We have to actually come together. (laughs) But then we have to actually be united. Beneath Christ as Lord, living for His glory and the redemption of sinners. First point, joy in imperfect saints. If if you must have perfect saints to have joy in your joy will not be full. (laughs) Second point, joy in a perfect God. God is perfect. God is perfect. So we have joy in imperfect saints who are being perfected, who will be perfected, who will be glorified. But we have joy now in a perfect God who is perfect, who is ever perfect, who is always perfect, whose plan is perfect. His plan for your life, His plan for your decade his plan for your year, his plan for your month, his plan for your week, his plan for your day, his plan for this hour. And every second therein is perfect. Joy in a perfect God. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. So this is the perfect source for perfect joy. Because God is perfect. All of his attributes, all of his character traits are his perfections. They are rightly termed, rightly called, rightly considered his perfections. Joy in a perfect God. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. It's so good, I'm going to say it twice. It's not enough to say it once. Rejoice. Be taking joy in the Lord always. And this is so important. It's so good. It's so vital for you. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. It's not just rejoicing for the sake of rejoicing. It's not rejoicing for the sake of seeking peace or joy like an idol. You have joy. You be joyful. You have peace. That's not what the Lord is saying. He's saying, you will have peace as you seek me, the God of peace. You will have perfect peace as you seek the God of all perfection. Rejoice in the Lord always, always. Oh, but there's this circumstance. There's always a circumstance. Rejoice in the Lord always. And remember the church being written to here. Philippians, remember the author, Paul. Remember this is known as a uh, jailhouse letter. He's in jail. He's incarcerated. He's under arrest for the sake of the gospel. He's writing to them from a position of oppression for his faithfulness in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's exhorting them to rejoice in the Lord always. So let me me put you in the recipient seat because you are the recipients. You are the recipients. This is for all the church for all time. The Apostle Paul's writing from jail to us today, filled with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is writing to you through the hand of the Apostle Paul in jail, saying to rejoice in the Lord always. Is this, is this jail? Now, you children, don't answer. Is this jail? No, we've come here freely of our own accord, if, if we're not children. Um, I know some of you children have a drug problem. You get drugged to church every Sunday. But it's good for you. It's good for you. It's the only drug problem that's good for you. But the rest of us came of our own accord, our own volition, our own will, by the grace of God. We came to seek the Lord. And we must do so daily. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. An exhortation from a man who is jailed. And yet finding peace, finding joy in his perfect God, whose perfect will is being unfolded day by day in Paul's life, not knowing whether he'll die or whether he'll be freed to go preach Christ again and perhaps die another day, be jailed again for preaching Christ in a world that opposes Christ. Paul's joy is not dependent upon his freedom. Paul's joy is not dependent upon the world applauding him for his gospel ministry. Wow, you are a wonderful servant of God. You bring honor and glory to the one true God and you bring blessings to our community. Thank you for coming, Paul. That wasn't the reception he got. Well, you are blaspheming our idols. You're denying our gods. You're opposing our emperor and the worship of him. Away with you you troublemaker. That was the world's response to Paul, except for those who found the grace of God that opened their blind eyes and unstopped their deaf ears that they might repent and confess Christ as Lord. The great commentator Matthew Henry says, all of our joy must terminate in God. And our thoughts of God must be delightful thoughts. Observe, it is our duty and privilege to rejoice in God and to rejoice in him always at all times, in all conditions, even when we suffer for him or are afflicted with him. Even as the apostle Paul was suffering at the very moment he penned these words. We must not think the worse of him or of his ways for the hardships we meet with in his service. There is enough in God to furnish us with matter of joy in the worst circumstance on earth. He had said it before. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Here he says it again. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. In chapter 3, verse 1, he said, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. But here he says it once more, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Joy in God is a duty of great consequence in the Christian life. And Christians need to be again and again called to it. If good men have not a continual feast, it is their own fault. If we have not a continual feast of joy, it's our fault. We won't belly up to the table. We refuse to belly up to the the buffet God has provided. To know God, to love Him, to walk with Him in the light of His Word, in faith. And instead we belly up to the world's table. Often it's an actual table. We try to find our joy, our peace, in, in the next meal, in the next cookie. Not to in any way disparage a recent cookie party that was a wonderful cookie exchange. But if we try to find our hope and joy and peace in a cookie, or a cake, or ice cream, or a steak, or any a fridge full of food, or in a big house, or a small comfortable house, or a car that runs, or anything in this world, we're trying to find peace in the wrong place, and it's going to break down. You're going to be found alongside the road, and you're going to be lacking peace, And that's a bad day. Not a bad day because your car broke down. It's a bad day because you put your faith in your car. And the car was the source of your peace rather than God who provided the car. Consider everything that Job lost. And Job said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We act like we're Job when the car breaks down. We're ready to curse God and die or curse the car maker or curse the mechanic. Or No, no. The Lord gave and the Lord took away for a moment. And He might have taken away because of our own lack of you know, responsible maintenance. But the Lord gave, the Lord take away, taketh away. You know, be thankful you have the car. Be thankful there's a mechanic. Be thankful there's a tow truck. It's a matter of changing your heart in order to find peace in God rather than peace in the things of this world. And you will actually have peace then and not find yourself so often fretting, worrying, anxiety-filled, or even terror-filled. So joy in a perfect God. Romans 11, 33-36 says this, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God... How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be the glory forever. That's the Lord we're to rejoice in. Rejoice in the Lord and his ways that are beyond our comprehension. Don't demand that you comprehend all that is taking place in your life or in the lives of others or in this world. You can't, you can't comprehend the vast plan of God. What you can comprehend is that God has a plan and he has it well in hand. The psalmist in Psalm 5 verse 11 says, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. And in so many temporal circumstances, that is true. But ultimately, its truth is found in eternity. He surrounds us as with a shield from his own wrath. The greatest threat to you is nothing this world can throw at you. It's what God and His holiness will bring upon you outside of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is your perfect and eternal shield because He has taken the wrath that you deserve in your place. Psalm thirty-one, twenty-three. Oh, love the Lord all you... Saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud person. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye who hope in the Lord. Psalm 34.1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times, all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. Psalm 40 verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord for he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and has established my steps. He has set your feet on the rock of Jesus Christ. He has brought you up out of the miry pit of sin and death. He has rescued you from hell and set you on the path of life, the narrow path. In Jesus Christ. Oh, praise be to his name. Is that not source enough for peace that surpasses understanding? Oh, that we would rejoice in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. In Acts 16, verse 20, we find the apostles jailed and yet rejoicing in the Lord after being beaten and placed in stocks. Acts 16, they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city and they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. That's a bad day, is it not? kind of having a bad day here. I was beaten. I was thrown in prison. That wasn't enough. They put me in the inmost chamber and my feet are are in stocks. They're in chains. Not my best ministerial day. Verse 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Two things there. Their peace, their joy, their faith was not dependent upon their circumstances. Their faith was in God Almighty, who had control of the circumstances, and they were certain of that. And they're praising God, praising God in jail, chained. Lives very likely going to be lost, as far as they could tell. But praising God. To the glory of God and that's the peace you need and the peace that's available to you. My peace I give to you, said Jesus. My peace, not the world's peace. That is available to you if you'll just receive it, if you just grab a hold of it. But you've got to let loose of the world and your attempts to find peace in it, to get peace through the Prince of Peace. You must grab onto Him and not let go. That's what they exhibit here in the jailhouse. Think in our contemporary circumstance how important this is. We must hold fast to Christ. Now, a secondary issue here, the prisoners were listening. The whole world around us is watching. How sad when we respond like the rest of the CNN lemmings running off with our hair on fire, saying the world is ending, the world is ending, living in terror. Where is our peace? Where is our prince of peace? How have we come to fear death so much that we're willing to cancel all of life? We have overcome death. Statistically speaking, you're far more likely to die of a multitude of other things than you are of the China virus. And yet, we still own guns. We still own cars. We still often cross the street without looking both ways. Sometimes while looking at a cell phone. We could have killed a woman a few weeks ago, my wife and I. She was so oblivious to everything around her. Walking across the street looking at that cell phone. We live in constant danger of so many things and we're willing to put up with them, but there's a virus afoot, and so we're going to cancel all of life. It cannot be. It cannot be. Our state right now is talking about passing a law to put a mask mandate on us forever. There will be no mask mandate on me. There is no mask mandate now. Christ is King. There's no mask mandate in here today. Why? Because we need to smile at each other. We need to worship the Lord. We need to fellowship. And because we do not fear death. And because all true science is God's science. And the mask is a lie. And so we don't cooperate with or submit to tyrannical lies meant to keep us in a perpetual state of fear that we might give up all of our constitutional rights so that the antichrist global tyranny can prevail. It's become exceedingly clear that to defy tyrants is obedience to God. There's a tyranny afoot, not a pandemic. Prisoners, were listening to them. The world is listening to us. What is our message? Here's my message. (laughs) It starts kind of quiet. And then I talk to them with joy and with faith. And sometimes I actually proclaim Jesus to them. And right now, when we're out on the streets proclaiming Jesus to folks, often they say, where's your mask? And then we start there and move out from there. Why are you wearing a mask? What do you fear? The beginning of knowledge is the fear of God. And Jesus said, not to fear he who can destroy your body or or kill you, but to fear he who can kill you and cast you into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. The prisoners were listening. Perfect joy in our perfect God. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Rejoice. Verse 5, third point, joy and discipline determined graciousness. Joy and discipline determined graciousness. Verse 5, quickly, let your gentleness be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. Often we lack joy, we lack peace because of our own sin. The Lord has not designed us to live in a state of sin and have peace. If we have unconfessed, unrepentant sin, we will lack peace by God's design. He doesn't want you to be at peace as you sin against Him and at others. And so joy and discipline determined graciousness. We must discipline ourselves and we must determine to walk in grace, in love of neighbor. Let your gentleness be known to all men. We we need to have a a love that compels us to kindness for all men. This isn't gentleness in the sense you're you're just walking around really carefully and cautiously. No, it's in the sense that you're You're not looking to be offensive in your flesh. There are things we must offend with. The gospel is always offensive. The law of God is always offensive to a culture that's in rebellion to God. The reality of hell is exceedingly offensive. offensive. The narrow path of Jesus Christ, highly offensive. There's lots of offenses we can't avoid. But we can't avoid being offensive by demanding that we are first. Demanding we get our way. We can avoid being offensive by avoiding sinning against others. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Joy and discipline determine graciousness. Matthew five forty three. The Lord Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I said you love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And If you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than the others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore you should be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. And so... We are to love all of our neighbors. We're to love those who see us as enemies. It says your enemies. It's not that we see them as our enemies. You're my enemy. We do recognize that they see us as their enemy and maybe more and more uh, compelled to even seek our destruction. Those who are the enemies of God, those who are given over to antichrist passions, those who are given over to uh, the sexual perversion uh, rebellion that's raging in our society, they are more and more antagonistic towards, Christianities, toward, uh, towards Christians, toward Christianity, and towards Christ Himself and the Word of God. Uh, nevertheless, we are to love them, not make them our enemies, that we wish them ill, that we wish to harm them. We're to love them and call them to repentance and faith in Christ, to pray that they might come to Christ. They're blind. They're deaf. They're being swept along by the devil's lies. We need to love them with action and truth, even as our Father loved us. Were you not once a blasphemer, a rebel, a hater of your fellow man, and yet God graciously saved you? We need to be Ministers of that same grace to others. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. He is coming soon and with judgment. And so joy in imperfect saints, joy in our perfect God, joy in discipline, determined graciousness. We cannot have joy in a state of sin as we're sinning it up, sinning against our neighbors. We're not going to have joy. We're not going to have peace. We're sinning against our husband, our wife, our kids, our parents, Our actual neighbors, our fellow saints, our co-workers, the people on the road, (laughs) we're not going to have peace or joy. So joy and discipline determined graciousness. Fourth, joy and discipline determined faith. Verse 6, this is important. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is precious. Hear me. If you particularly have an issue with anxiety, worry, or fear, you need to memorize this. Discipline yourself to memorize the scripture that you desperately need. And you need to pray through it regularly. You need to let the word of God renew your mind and set you free from a pattern of sinful thinking and feeling called anxiety, worry, and fear. Be anxious for nothing. You need to take all your anxieties, all your worries, all your fears out of that box, that anxiety box. Take it out. The Lord says nothing. Well, but you don't know. You see this, there's these circumstances. Well, there's this thing. Be anxious for nothing. Because that anxiety, that worry, that fear, that's anti-faith. You're not trusting God, the God of all peace, the God who holds all things in his hands. The God who's working everything according to the counsel of his will. So be anxious for nothing. You've got to cancel the permission you gave yourself to be worried, fearful, and anxious. Because God's already canceled it, just so you know. Or you can continue to be anxiety-filled, worry-filled, fear-filled. You can continue. In sin. And to lack peace and joy, which will inevitably drive you back to the world's sources to try to get peace and joy. And you'll fail. You'll not get it. Or you'll get it for a moment in the midst of a movie, but then the movie will end and the facade of peace will end with it. Or you'll take that pill or drink that drink and for a moment you'll have the peace, but then you'll, you'll sober up and even prescribed pills, right? You'll sober up, you'll come out from under the influence of it. And yet you, you, had a, you had a peace through substance, not a peace through Christ. So that's not a substantive lasting peace. We we live in an era that's very dangerous, where the commercials are constant. If you lack any kind of peace in any way, shape, or form, run to a doctor, and you can even tell them, based upon that commercial, I want that pill. Now, if you'll just listen to the end of the commercial, you'll find out the pill doesn't actually work, and it may cause terrible things to happen in your mind, and in your bowels, and in your behavior. Terrible things. (laughs) one of the newest ones I'm hearing is like these uncontrollable movements and things that are permanent after you take these psychotropic drugs even when you stop I think wow self-induced Parkinson's disease that's brilliant that'll make you happy take this pill to make you happy and it'll give you self-induced Parkinson's disease but we got another pill to make you even happier once you get that think this through saints take everything out of the anxiety box take it all out be anxious for nothing but in everything in everything so we've got a nothing and everything but in everything by prayer and supplication present your requests to god yeah we skip something there no anxiousness not a zero zip nothing in contrast cuz you can't just stop there you can't just say okay i'm going to be disciplined no more anxiety period i'm done with that no 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 <laughs> you're not done If you do that, because you're putting your faith in your willpower to no longer be anxious or fearful or worried. You've got to shift your faith from the things of this world, including yourself, where your anxiety will be perpetual, to the Lord. And so you exercise faith instead of exercising anti-faith by taking everything to the Lord in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving even. And that thanksgiving is vital. It's vital. So prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Finding thanksgiving in all circumstances. If the circumstance is difficult, Lord, thank you that the circumstance drove me to seek you in prayer. If the circumstance is painful, thank you, Lord, that this is not my normal situation. Or If the circumstance is the pain of loss, thank you, Lord, that, that I once had that job, that relationship that person in my life the pain is relative to the gift god gave you a great gift thus there's pain in losing it and we can find thankfulness even in that we can find thankfulness even in the fact that if we if we can still see through the pain that this hasn't always been here nor will it always be here this is a moment in time And even should we think this pain is going to last all of our lives, we can reflect on the reality that our life is just one little dash between two dates on a coming tombstone. And that tombstone is not your enemy. It's not your enemy. In Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors. Death has lost its sting. And so be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, here's the promise of God. This is available to all of us as we walk in the light of the word. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it surpasses every circumstance in this world, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Through Christ Jesus. Your emotions, the center of your being, your heart, and your mind. And when we neglect this truth, when we neglect this obedience, our heart suffers and our mind suffers. And the longer we go, the more we suffer and the more unstable we become in our mind. And we get into a position where somebody may diagnose us. (laughs) But so often it is self-induced. There's a pattern of sinful living, sinful thinking, sinful feeling perpetuated until we literally drive ourselves mad. And so saints, receive the resources that God has given you. In Christ Jesus, my peace I give to you. Here's how. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be, na- be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, what a precious truth, what a powerful truth that will change our lives and the final truth for this message today. Quickly, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Final point, joy and discipline determined thinking. You are the boss of you. What you think about, you are accountable for What you think about, you control. Joy and discipline determine thinking. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, think about the truth. Jesus is the truth. Think about the truth. Whatever things are true. Is the pandemic killing everyone? No, that's a lie. It's not true. Is Joe Biden the president? No, that's a lie. It's not true. <laughs> is he your king? Oh, that's definitely a lie. It's not true. Is Lord Fauci your savior? No, that's a lie. It's definitely not true. Think about what is true. Is CNN true? No, it's a colossal lie. It's not true. Those are some modern applications. But finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Focus your mind there. Dwell there. Read this book. God's book. Read other good books. Listen to good music. Have quality, good conversations of this nature. Discipline yourself to that end. Whatever things are honorable, whatever things are just or righteous, whatever things are pure or clean, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue or excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy or commendable or worthy of lauding, meditate on these things. Think on these things. Pray on these things. Journal these things. Write notes. Stick them up in the mirror about these things. Communicate these things verbally and in texts and emails and whatever form of communication you're using these days to others. Be a spreader of these things and you will have peace that surpasses understanding. The peace that Christ came to give us that's not dependent upon this world. I said final point, bonus point. Got a minute left. Joy and discipline determine living, verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Now, Nike stole their motto from the Apostle Paul, just do it. Saints, you got to do it. This peace is available for you. The peace that surpasses understanding is available for you. Victory in Christ is available for you. Just do it. Set yourself to do it. Determine, I will follow Christ. I will obey Christ in the manner he has prescribed. I will walk in the light of this precious word. I will be set free from fear and terror and anxiety. I'll not be a slave to it. The things that you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. He will be with you. And hear me, if you won't do it, don't complain. If you won't do it, don't complain that God's not giving you your fair share. That God's not you know, giving you your share of joy, your share of peace, your share of hope, your share of victory. He's got his hands out. Just do it. Just take it. It's there for you because God your Father loves you and His Son, your Savior, loves you and the Spirit of God is dwelling within you to empower you to receive this peace that surpasses understanding. The God of all peace will be with you. Don't call God a liar. There's a whole lot of liars in this room. God isn't one of them. He is here. But let every man be a liar and God be true. Is the word of God. If we lack peace, it's because of us. Not because of the circumstances God ordained. Because he gives us peace that surpasses understanding. If we'll just flee to the prince of peace and hold fast to him in faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this precious, powerful, freeing word this life-changing word. May it change lives today, Father. May dear brothers and sisters today be changed forever. May they be set free forever. May we be set free from the chains of bondage to fear and anxiety and terror that we have placed on ourselves, Lord. May we, by your grace, repent and be anxious no more, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present our request to you. May we rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice unceasingly and forever may we Lord think on the things that are pure and right and lovely and virtuous and holy may we meditate on these things and Father may we pray through this scripture until we have victory through its truth may we not let our lying hearts deny the truth of your word we pray in the mighty matchless, victorious name of Jesus Christ, our King. Amen.